you're tuned in with In the Blind Combat Waterfowl, the podcast. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to In the Blind with Combat Waterfowl. This is episode three of season two. Uh, This one's going to be a little bit different for you guys. This is going to be one of many, I'm sure, episodes that we will refer to as the ducking truth. Uh, Today's episode of the ducking truth is going to be about mental health. I am joined by our co-host, Andy Beck. Unfortunately, Dylan West is not going to be able to be with us tonight. And we have a very special guest, Justin Powers, who is with us from the great state of California. (laughs) I don't know if I'd call it the great state, but it's certainly the state. <laughs> what's up, well, Justin? Justin? How you doing, man? Yeah, what's up, Combat Waterfowl? Uh, <clears throat> thankful to be invited by both Robert and Andy, uh, especially oh, Dylan, did, Dylan didn't invite you. What was that? Dylan didn't invite you. So it's just Robert and Andy invited you. Well, D West, D West is the man. D West also helped with the invitation. Um, I'm super thankful to be uh, on here just to give my little point of view, and I'm super excited about the topic that we're going to talk about tonight well who who even are you you got to tell the people who you are i just gave them your name all right so justin powers i've been a gunner since the spring of 2020 Uh, i've been an active duty united states marine since 2009 so i guess that puts me at 13 years and change um i'm a staff sergeant (laughs) yeah i'm a staff sergeant currently stationed at the mountain warfare training center up here in california I'm actually really fortunate to be living on the fringe of the Pacific Flyway, and I get a chance to hunt some species that I normally never hunted when I hunted back on the East Coast uh, around Camp Lejeune. For sure, man. It's uh, it as we kind of alluded to, um, this episode is going to be about about mental health. Um, Something that I think that is under discussed amongst uh, amongst a lot of men, amongst a lot of outdoorsmen, but I think through this and as we navigate through this episode hopefully it brings maybe a little bit of awareness uh to mental health in general and and that of outdoorsmen and um servicemen uh be that local be that military or be that to your communities in one form or another Uh, so i'm excited to dig into this one yeah i'm definitely excited uh i think um as society is growing that we're becoming more aware of you know the challenges that you know, not necessarily just service member, but men in general, the issues and the problems we have and a lot of things that we carry around with us and not to get too cliche on it, but it, I mean, it is a big deal. And uh, I think we could do a lot better in, you know, helping each other and, and fostering conversations like this, I think is really the start. I saw something the other day that uh, actually, I think, I think Brett Jackson posted it um, in the Gunners page it was talking about complimenting your bros. And that's something that, you know, it can really go a long way towards mental health overall when you recognize or I guess when you verbalize the appreciation that you have for other people. There's oftentimes where we as men, we kind of, I feel like, shut down to a degree um, or, or maybe become a little bit more reclusive because of some things that are going on and we perceive or at least let me not say we I'm not going to throw you all into it, but let me say that I perceive that. I'm doing things maybe that aren't good. You know, maybe I'm, I feel like I'm failing in certain areas of my life or, or in certain areas of my business. And, you know, talking about, you know, having a, a friend of yours compliment you and say, man, you've really been killing this area. You know, I've really noticed that you've stepped that up, whether it's, you know, whether it's hitting the gym, whether that's, 
you know, going out there and really grinding your work or, or whatever it may be. I think that compliments to your friends can be something that is a lost art. And that video kind of rang that in to me, at least when I watched it. So, well, and not only that, not only that, but you also look at the background that the, that the three of us share having all been military at one point or another, right. uh, we're not really raised in the military to be emotional creatures. No. Uh, we're supposed to be hardened war fighters. And that uh, I would say that facade uh, kind of, we, we do a bad rap of letting that facade, that military lifestyle bleed into the rest of our, of our lives. And we, and we've been almost groomed to be non-emotional. So when, when you bring up the complimenting of, of your bros, it, it feels weird at first and you got to break that mold and, and make it a normal thing. Right. It's, I mean, it's a super, a strange thing i mean i i didn't really do it um i would say it's been maybe maybe a year or two that i've really like made a, an attempt to really do that and i think it it broadens the the friendship and the the um you know brotherhood within it um but also uh you can't take the idea that no news is good news like you, you got to open that chain up. You got to say, Hey, you know, man, how are you actually doing, you know, or how are you actually feeling? And you can't do that with everyone. Obviously you got to have that level of trust and they have to have some type of level of trust to you where, you know, that level level, excuse me, level of vulnerability is, you know, okay. Um, I, I can find myself as a pretty much shut off person uh, emotionally to the entire world, you know, because people suck but um <laughs> you know like you also have to let your guard down too sometimes and extend that to someone even if you're not necessarily in the position where you're vulnerable to them yet i think that all kind of hinges too on <clears throat> not it, without lack of or with a lack of being able to say it any other way like your position in your friend circle i guess would be a way to say that or your position within society um i find myself you know, my phone never stops ringing, you know, and there is, and it could be from a million different, million different things. You know, it could be from the gunners. It could be from customers, you know, emailing in saying something. It could be from family. It could be from, um, you know, vendors that, that we work with, whatever, for whatever reason, you know, like my phone almost never stops ringing for in some way or another. <clears throat> and both of you, and there are a few other gunners that are, are really good about it too. You know, Justin, Justin's, Justin's like one of my hype men. I'll say that. Uh, and Andy, Andy is too. Andy sent me a, uh, a text message a few months ago that, that really impacted me in a way that, um, that, that I really appreciated. But sometimes it's nice to pick up the phone and somebody not necessarily need something from you. Just call you just to just say, Hey man, like what's up and just talk. And when your phone goes off as much as mine does, I appreciate those conversations. I appreciate not always talking about business or not always talking about hunting, but talking about anything but, you know. Um, so at least for me, um, those kind of conversations are, are things that I, I cherish. Those are things that I look forward to. And uh, that's one good thing about the group that we have. 
you know, it might be a gunner calling me, but that doesn't mean that we're going to be talking about combat waterfowl. Uh, it can mean that we're talking about anything out of the sun, you know, uh, and, and I feel like we do a, a great job with, with our circle to kind of stay on each other. Like we know each other good enough. And it's not just the three people that are on this call. You know, we stay so connected as an organization that when somebody isn't acting normal, meaning like their normal level of conversation, like it, it is completely normal for me and Andy to go four or five days without speaking to each other. And I don't think anything's wrong or weird or anything. That's just Andy. I've known Andy the better part of my entire life. And that's just Andy. But when somebody is doing something that's outside of the norm, you can pick up on that because you pay attention to it. And I guess that's my point is pay attention to the people that you have in your circle. When something's off, don't just stay silent about it. Speak up about it because you could be that one person at that very pivotal moment in their life that could totally change their life. And that's important to, to be able to recognize those signs. All three of us have, uh, and I hate to use the S word, but all three of us ex have experienced friends um, that we either serve with or that are family members that have committed suicide and being able to identify and take action on signs is something that is takes a few seconds of your day, but could totally change someone else's life. I agree completely. Oh. And, and uh, like when the, the opposite end of it too, I think is, is that, the approach to that has to be very casual as well. You know, if you see something going on, like be casual about it, because if not, you're going to throw them radars and, you know, they're going to clam up because now they feel like something's truly wrong with them. You know what I mean? Right. Well, that's one of the notes when, when, uh, when Andy and I were bouncing ideas off each other for this episode, um, one of the notes that I wrote down uh, and especially with the group that we have being the gunners and how close knit this group is. Uh, one of the notes that I wrote down was, you know, use your time in the outdoors as a time to vent and confide in a friend and unload that mental and emotional baggage. And I mean, Robert, you and I do it to each other all the time. Like, well, you'll call me, I'll walk out from work and we'll have a 45 minute conversation where you offload some of your mental baggage and then I offload some of my mental baggage on you and collectively as a, as, as a group, we help each other. Uh, Cause that's just my way to de-stress is just sharing the issues and stuff that I'm dealing with, with somebody else and getting a different perspective from the outside. And like, well, have you thought about doing this or have you, you maybe tried to do that. It's like, you know what? I never thought of that. I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, no doubt. 100%. I guess we could, transition to a you know a different different spot and we'll kind of go around the table here um but like how do you make the relation between the outdoors and your mental health and what do you feel it works best for you i i'll i'll take that i'll i'll jump in front of that bus first <laughs> i think it i think it starts for me way 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 back in my life um, when I was first introduced to the outdoors, I was introduced to the outdoors through my grandfather. And so, you know, my association with the outdoors has always been my safe place because he's the person who has taught me everything in the world that I know, really. And, you know, he's the person that 
that has brought me into hunting and fishing in, in, in that space. And so for me, if, if nothing else at a pure baseline, when I'm outdoors in the outdoors, hunting or fishing or whatever, I'm thinking happy thoughts because I'm thinking about what my grandfather brought me into. Uh, secondly, it is because that's how it started for me. It has always been a release, right? Um, it's always been just you and whoever you're with or you and yourself out in nature and enjoying the life that we have. I think often too many times we get caught up in our lives, our houses, our chores, things that we have to do. And when you escape into the outdoors, you're doing just that. You're escaping from what else, whatever else is going on in your life. And you're tying that into something that is tangible, right? Well, most of the time it's tangible unless you, you know, consider a sunrise picture tangible, but you're translating your time, your investment of your time into something that, you know, you can bring home to your dinner plate. You're transitioning, you're transitioning items of your life that you're, you know, holding back and, and that are weighing on you and you're going out there into the outdoors. And every time you pull that trigger, every time you cast that pole, every time you take a walk, even you're letting those things go off of you and roll off your back. And I think that I always feel 10 times lighter after a hunting trip than I did when I left to go. Uh, whether that's something simple right down the road or whether that's one of the many complex adventures that we find ourselves on all over the country. Um, I, I really, truly believe that the outdoors has given me and kept me away from the need to rely on medication or any other sort of um, therapy or, or anything like that. For me personally, I, I don't utilize any of those things. Um, I, I don't feel as though I need to, if I, if I felt like, you know, I needed to, I, I certainly would, but up until this point, I've been able to shuck all that off on spending time in the outdoors and on, uh, on good friends, man. And, and that's kind of how, that's kind of how I take it. You want to catch that one, Andy? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hop on this train. Um, I think for me, I find growth and struggle and finding that growth and struggle is it, for one, it builds a relationship Two, it allows me to trust someone and three, it, it, it provides a, a baseline for an understanding of someone. So if, if I have people with me and I can push them to a level that is uncomfortable and we can, you know, survive and thrive in that environment, then that's a success. That's a, a, I've established some type of um, understanding and connection with that person. Um, two, it would be that um, it's one of the few things in my life other than firefighting that I find that I can actually replicate um, the high level uh, attention, um, stress, uh, as well as preparedness to um combat. And that really allows me to, you know, find a happy place in it. Um, as twisted as that really sounds that, uh, there's comfort in chaos. So, yeah. So for me, for me, it's, it's about finally being able to go somewhere and do something where there isn't a time hack and there is no expectation. 
right? And as much as we love to to bash Andy on his sunrise picks, I absolutely love sitting in a duck blind and watching the world come to life. There is something special about watching that sun come up, especially out here in the in the eastern Sierras when I get to watch that sun come up over, you know, eight or 9,000 foot peaks. And I watch the lake come to life. And it's just for a guy like me who is one, an extrovert, and two, in a occupation that is very regimented to where I am expected to perform at a certain level at all times, that's my time to unplug that side of my life and just whether I send a shot down range and blast a pile of coots or, or bust a triple curl mallard, dude, it doesn't matter. I have absolutely zero expectations when I go to the field. For me, it's all about just going out there and having that, that recharge to be able to be uh, back up on, you know, at a hundred percent when I'm done. Cause it's, it's my one point of my life where it's like, I'm not expected to be a good dad. I'm not expected to be a good staff sergeant. I'm not expected to be a good Marine. That's my time to just go out there where there's absolutely no expectations. And whether I come home with a sunrise pick or a pile of birds, it's always a success in my book. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a refreshing way to look at it. Um, I certainly try to have, <clears throat> I try to have those thoughts at least on the, the expectations level, I feel like at this point in my life, I have to hold myself accountable to something. And, you know, if I, if it's a goal, you know, just to harvest a bird, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like that's a, a good standard to have. You know, we said it in a previous episode for me, it's about, for me, it's about beating the ducks, right? If presented with an opportunity, did you, did you win? And that, that's, that, that's my expectation. I go out there and I expect to win. If I fall short, I want to know why I fell short. And it gives me a reason to keep going back. And another reason to keep, you know, unloading that baggage is to keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it and, and aim for a higher level of uh, efficiency and precision every time. But um, I certainly appreciate that aspect of it as well. And just in trying to have no expectations, it's a, that's a, a good way to, to go about it. Something I should probably pick up a little bit. On. You, you, you well, know I mean, look at it, look at it. What the three of us experienced last year. Right. And I know it's been brought up in another episode, right. But we look at, we all look at Stuttgart as a giant failure. It wasn't Nobody a failure. I don't, I yeah. don't look at it as a failure. Us showing up in a deep freeze sitting in blinds, but you know what? Me, myself, as well as several other gunners, had an absolute blast because yeah. we, were out there, we were out there building camaraderie. No, we had a blast, but I'm just saying, you know, from, from the – that the only reason that I regard that trip as a success in any way is the fact that we all spent that time together. Me – sitting in an a, a open trailer on top of the dike that's half brushed in <laughs> over a barren body of water half frozen with no food in sight and certainly no birds in sight was not how i envisioned this trip to arkansas all right we're just it's not how i envisioned it however however when the we got done wasting our time sitting out there 
And we came back and we got to, you know, sit down at the Mexican restaurant and, you know, enjoy each other's company back at the lodge and stuff like that. that that's really what the what the trip ultimately was about. Bubbles drinking a little bit too much of the sauce. It happened. Shout but, out to uh, Captain Lou. I'm picking up that tab on the last beers. Bro, that Mexican <laughs> restaurant was so shicey. Huh. It's good food, though. It was good food until... It, it, like, you know what's crazy is that you, I, I sit back and I think about it right now. Like, we all three had very um, different answers. Like, it was completely different. Right. Um, and, and I think that, you know, it, it's kind of amazing that, you know, all three of us could have completely different answers. But at the end of the day, like, the, the fight and the drive is still there for each other. Right. So, and that was, that was another point that I was going to make. So I had never hunted ducks before until 2012. Uh, I had just come back from my second deployment to Afghanistan. And I had a brother that was going through the thick of it, right? As if coming back from combat wasn't enough. He had a pile of personal issues when he came back. And it got to the point where I grabbed this dude out of the barracks in a drunken super and moved him into my house. And he lived with me for four months. And he was an avid waterfowler, grew up in, in North Texas, hunting waterfowl from the time that he was probably five or six years old. And that was his way of coping, was sharing that passion with me. And I mean, I'd grown up outdoors, but you know, when you grew up in the mountains of Virginia, there's not a waterfowl in sight. You're, you're hunting deer and squirrels and, and going trout fishing. So that was, was our way, my way of being there for him and allowing him to offload the mental and emotional baggage and starting that healing process of all the emotional scars that he had was him teaching me how to hunt, how to hunt waterfowl specifically. So like there's many mornings I was laid up on the bow of a boat, long line and bluebills freezing my ass off and it sucked but it's a misery that we shared and we both loved and since 2012 i've been absolutely bit by this waterfowl bug and that's my thing now is i try to find you know other guys that are that are trying to find an outlet and share this passion that the three of us all have for being outdoors and chasing the elusive waterfowl uh, and share that with them and allow them the same experiences that, that us three have all had, whether that be in, you know, the, the seashore of North Carolina or the mountains of California or the frozen cornfields of Arkansas. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's go with the duck desert that was Arkansas while we were the there. Duck desert. Um, there was not a bird in sight, but you, uh, you made mention of something that I have to attack you for as a man who is currently living in the Pacific flyway, you just referred to waterfowl as elusive. I challenge you. To, <laughs> I challenge you to come say that over here. Um, yeah. It, you know, I, I get, I get all your points though. I just, I got to stab at you every chance I can just cause I, just cause I got to, I got to keep you humble a little bit. Oh, I got you. My, um, my point was, is he was complaining about ripping bluebills on long lines. And I was like, this boy just needs to wait until next year. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Yeah. 
just wait, man. Maybe Andy will run you over with a with a tender boat. Hey, no. Hey, I'm telling you, I'm I'm swear I have never laughed so hard than when I was listening to the episode one of season two, and Robert brought that up that Andy ran him over, and it made me completely rethink hunting and layout boats. It's honestly not that bad. You just can't. You have. <laughs> You can't drive like, don't drive like Drib. That's all I can tell you. Is don't drive like Drib. My boy gets run over and then says, it's not that bad. Yeah, no, of course it's not. When you're driving the boat, it runs your man over. It's, of course it's not that bad. Living up there on high cotton while I'm getting ran over by a 4,000-pound boat. No, it's all good, though. I mean, in my defense, at least you were still in, like, the cubby hole. Right, no, I went to the cubby to the high. <laughs> And hope that the layout boat would somewhat protect me, which it did. Um, so props to those boats for standing up to that. But um, no, that's that's okay. So that's another that's another point. All right. It creates memories. All right. So that experience right there is something that I will never forget. And I'll always remember that. And so the outdoors creates experiences with people that you care about. And creates lasting things for you to look back on. Um, you know, you mentioned that you got into waterfowl hunting through um, really some kind of adverse experiences that someone else was going through uh, and have used that experience to kind of keep your drive for wanting to share that with someone else and help someone else out uh, all throughout the last now 10 years of your waterfowl experience. So, you know, I think that, I think that everybody does it for, for something. Um, and I, and I'm glad that, you know, we at least can recognize the mental health benefits that drive us to keep doing what we're doing too. I think for sure. I mean, there's, a the aspect of it and fostering someone else to, you know, bring awareness to them and, and their mental state and try and show them something that is an outlet to help them out is, uh, is a huge deal. So do you think, or do you, I guess, I know Justin, you, you hunt solo quite a bit, don't you? Uh, yeah. Almost every time. Yeah. So like, I, I don't generally waterfowl hunt solo. So I'm interested to see from your perspective, do you get anything different out of it mental health wise hunting by yourself versus when you're hunting with other people? Are your goals different? I know you said, you know, you have no expectations, but do you have any kind of hidden ulterior motives when you take someone hunting? Are you, you know, like when you, for instance, when you and Tommy went out um, and you, and y'all shot, shot that, when you shot your, your pintail, right. Do you feel like your goals when you went hunting with Tommy were any different than any other day where you would go hunting by yourself? All right. So I'll, I'll, First of all, shout out to you, right? Because you made that phone call and said, hey, there's a spot available. Do you want it? And I was like, holy crap, this is awesome. Like, this is one of the best reasons that we have our organization of Combat Waterfowl Gunners is building that network. Right. Uh, so shout out to you for giving me that invite. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And it was actually that that morning specifically, um, I had to make a decision because I had Robert Culsa wanted to take me to, back to the timber 
to see water to see uh, greenheads bombing into the timber, or Tommy was going to take me down down the way thirty minutes for a possibility of having something. And right. I was like, hey, dude, I'm kind of burned out from traveling. Robert, I appreciate the freaking, you know, the shout. Kulsa was the man for wanting to put me on Mallards. But I told Brewer, I was like, or I told uh, I told Tommy, I said, hey, man, let's just stay close because we don't, you know, we still had to make the airport, right? I had a flight at 4 p.m., so it was just going to be a morning hunt. At the beginning of the 22 season, I set one goal for myself, and that one goal was I wanted to I wanted to crush a stud pintail. That was my hit list bird for the year. Um, we don't see a lot of pintails, believe it or not. We don't see a lot of pintails where I'm at, right? Like we we you busted on me a little bit for being in the Pacific Flyway, but you also need to remember that I'm at six thousand feet elevation. So like I'm up here in the mountains. Uh, right. Got a lot of widgeons, got a lot of teal, got a lot of mallards, got a lot of spoonbills pintails aren't one that we see a whole lot but i have seen them so that was my hit list bird so tommy and i went out we threw out the decoys we got rue put in the in the little uh blind kennel thing he had and me and tommy proceeded to drink coffee and eat pop tarts and just share stories and next thing you know tommy like looks at me and goes get down there's birds coming in and literally, it was a pair of pintails that came in and locked up and were landing away from us and gave me the perfect chance to, to pop that drake. And as soon as I hit it, I lost my mind. I was so pumped because that was my one goal that I set for myself on the season. Uh, and, and huge shout out for Tommy because that was, you know, that was his hunting spot. That was – he didn't have to take me. That was his hunting spot. So, um that dude was that was, that was an that awesome for experience for me, and, and and it was a rare treat for me to be able to hunt with somebody else because, like you alluded to, I don't hunt a lot with other people because there's not a lot of people up here. I'm in I'm stationed right now at one of the at the smallest base in the entire Department of Defense. Uh, we're only like 230 strong up here. So the amount, the waterfowl community up here is not very big. Um, and I very rarely bump into other waterfowl hunters at the lake that I go hunt. So I think that's why I might have a little bit of a different outlook. I mean, I understand that like when you started waterfowling, Brewer, you were at like the Mecca of waterfowl up there in Alaska. I started in North Carolina, stomped through swamps and Stuff like that, chasing three wood ducks in 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I started, I mean, I started in 2012 hunting New River at a Goss Chalk Marina at Camp Lejeune, long lining blue bills at four o'clock in the morning to watch one buffalo head come screaming through the deeks at 60 miles an hour. Oh, and God, that thing was a hen, people. too, wasn't it? And for all three people in the boat to unload all three shotguns and that bird to laugh at us as it flew off. Yeah, it was definitely a hen, then. Big shout-out to Tommy, though, man. That dude. Yeah. Tommy dude. Johnson is uh, is one-of-a-kind guy. Um, he, man, I, I – most of the people listening to this podcast probably won't know who we're talking about, but everybody, everybody has a, a person in their life that 
is just 100% completely selfless. And everybody knows one of those people. And, and Tommy is just one of those people. And, and he's, he's one of those dudes that's, he's always in your corner, but when you go astray, he's going to be standing there with a whip. <laughs> like he, he will 100% hold you accountable and 100% call you out on your bullshit, which is very important to have within your friend circle. If all, and this is something that I wanted to bring up earlier, but I didn't get the opportunity. You have to look at your friend circle and you have to analyze your friend circle. Every person within your friend circle, to not sound rude, but every person within your friend circle has a place, right? Um, and, and what I mean by that is there are friends within your friend circle, or there should be, that, you know, they're always hyping you up, right? Um, there are friends within your friend circle that you can call no matter what time of the day. And some of these may overlap. But no matter what's going on or what time of the day, you can call them up and, and you know they're going to be there. And you got some friends that will always hold you accountable, but don't come to you with problems without solutions. And Tommy is one of those people. You know, he will absolutely present a problem, but in the same breath that he's presenting a problem, he's also offering a solution. Whatever that solution is, it's going to be, it's going to be something that's well thought out. And, you know, and, and taking a look at your friend circles, I think, you know, if you kind of look at look at them, some people have really, really, really small circles and that's totally fine. Some people have bigger circles and some people have multiple ranks. And uh, whichever your whichever your situation is, I definitely think that you have to have people within your circle that accomplish multiple things. And, and you can't have a one sided if all your friends ever do is hype you up and they never keep you in check. You're going to have a problem. I think another thing that you need to have in your friend circle is uh, one of the things that Robert, you brought up in, in uh, the first episode, episode two is you need to find a mentor. Right. Um, for me, being a part of, of the combat waterfowl gunners has opened up the door for me to reach out to multiple different people as mentors uh, as a matter of fact, I mean, today I was texting Andy. I said, Andy, if you were going to buy some more decoys right now, would you buy canvas backs, redheads or bluebills? And he was just like, not a lot of people use canvas backs. Go with the redheads or the bluebills. So I smashed the buy it now button on bluebills because I know I'm trying to come back to the East coast next summer. And I have a feeling that I'm going to be hunting some bluebills. Yeah, bluebills or scoters, if you're going to hunt North Carolina, those are the two things to have. Them scoters be expensive, though. Yeah. <laughs> you, need to, you need to think about, Andy, like – Andy already <laughs> said that. <laughs> All right, let's, let's be honest. Let's, let's think about remortgaging the house. Um, you know, I, st I still drive around a 2004 beater because of uh, scoter hey, decoys. Don't talk junk on your own runner, bro. That thing is a stallion. <laughs> um, but for real, I mean – it definitely the, the mentor aspect of it and, and um reevaluating your friend circle is is a big one i think like times change and and people grow for for better and worse and i i i, I think i i fall victim to this a lot you know where you know I'm, I'm very limited on my circle i'm one of those people i think i've got about five or six people that like really um 
I really count on. And then I have like a, you know, a wider circle. I'm more, I would say like a, a bullseye, if that makes sense. The, the, you can, you can get warmer. Um, but, uh, I don't take a lot of time to reflect on it. You know, I'm one of those people, once you've got trust, you've, you've got trust until you break it instead of fluidity in the way that I view you. Right. So well, I'd say not only that, but another reason that you need to reevaluate your friend circle every once in a while is how much effort are you putting into the into, you know, for lack of better terms, the relationship. Right. Like we all have at least one person we know for a fact, if we call in the middle of the night and say, I need help. They're going to be like, give me 10 minutes. I'll be there. So like I try to be that guy for a lot of people. And, and I, Robert, I like how you brought up the multiple rings, right? Cause obviously the gunners is, is, is one of my friend circles, but I've got another friend circle. That's not in any way, shape or form related to combat waterfowl. Right. Um, but it, you got to reevaluate every once in a while. Cause it's like, how many times am I going to do something for somebody and allow them not to reciprocate that same appreciation? Right. Well, I, I completely get it. Um, Two, I guess, I don't know if you would call them parables. I don't know what you would call them. Two things that really stick out to me as life lessons that, that I kind of carry with me. Uh, one is, is more of a quote, right? It's uh, you are the sum of your surroundings. So if you take all of the people that you associate with or that you, you, know, you hang out with on a regular basis or your closest group of friends, <clears throat> and you add them all up and you divide by that number, that is the mean of who you will become. Um, you surround yourself with excellence. You surround yourself with success. It breeds excellence. It breeds success. If you surround yourself with failure, it breeds failure. Um, the second thing was, and this is something that I, that I try to do. I remember playing sports as a child and I was told that if you, and this is in relation to basketball, you don't, play people that you're better you don't play the people if you're the the best you know if you're trying to get better you play people that are better than you so if you seek out those people that you regard or you hold higher for whatever reason it, it could be financial success it could be outdoor success it could be career success for whatever reason seek out those people that you really hold higher and, and try to lean on those people when you're you know looking for your mentor. You know, I, I don't want to beat up uh, an episode that we've already talked about, but I don't, you know, I don't know that I talked about that in that episode. And I think it's especially important um, when it comes to ultimately your mental health, right? If, if you're surrounding yourself with people that are bringing you down, that's certainly not going to help your mental health. Uh, however, if you seek out people that you respect um, or that you admire for whatever reason, um, that push you, that's going to better your mental health. I mean, I'll say this, I envy everyone in my circle. I envy them in some type of way. Yeah. There has to be some type of trait that I envy about them. Um, and I think it's, it's, uh, this is my own personal opinion. Um, but I have to gain something from a friendship. I think and, like, anybody. I, well, I, I don't think so. I, like it, I think some people think, well, yeah, we're friends and, and I view it as no, you're acquaintances because you're not giving and taking anything. You know what I mean? Like 
there's no uh, exchange in that. It, it might just be, you know, sunshines and rainbows, but, you know, I, I know with, with my circle, there's definitely been times of not so sunny times, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. 100%. But they have to well, be there and, to and do the worst part too, though. And, and along with that, I think there's that, there's a certain level of respect that goes along with being, you know, a good friend. Like, I have mad respect for, you know, Andy, because this dude decides that running into a building that's on fire is like the right thing to do, right? Or D West, right? D West is law enforcement. Like, absolutely. Like, everybody's like, oh, you're military. It must be, it must be so hard. I'm like, nah, man, there's a lot of people who have hard, harder jobs than me. Like, I get paid to eat crayons. Let's call a spade a spade here. Okay. <laughs> There's a reason. There's a reason that when Robert Brewer sends me a freaking package, when I when I order from Combat Waterfowl, he likes to throw crayons in the box. I need to order more crayons. It it is what it is. <laughs> right? There's a reason that in the Gunners chat the other day, I decided to poke fun at myself and I took a picture at Walmart in front of a wall of crayons. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. But like, there's that certain level of respect that goes with everybody that you're that you're that you're friends with, right? Like, I have respect for everybody in in one or multiple facets you know whether it's you're killing it and and working for yourself right you made a hard decision to walk away from a secure job to run your own company brewer or you put your life on the line as a public servant in the civilian sector i mean i have mad respect for everybody that i would consider a friend uh, and, and there are guys that I know for a fact that if I get myself in between a rock and a hard place that I can count on. Yeah. Dylan though, you know, he just rides around his car and eats donuts and, you know, calls, calls <laughs> the highway patrol and tells them they got a wreck to deal with, or he calls the, you know, municipal police and tells them they got to handle this. Or he tells the, he tells the person he runs into that's a civil matter or, you know, <laughs> Yeah, you can go Doing ahead and dirty you can, go throw, uh, you can go ahead and throw Alex in that boat too. Yeah, it's easy to it's easy to pick on him because he's not here. So uh <laughs> hopefully when he listens to this back, he uh he don't get too Oh bad. yeah, I'm expecting we, we might get some we might get some nasty text messages. It's all good. I'll, I'll take it. You said you wanted to put Justin on the spot. Let's do it. Yeah. Um so going from you know here where you started hunting you started your waterfowl journey here on the east coast in the atlantic flyway and you are placed in a new area in the pacific flyway and and frankly in my opinion the best flyway in north america why have you not pushed yourself out of reno and out of your local area? Why have you not pushed yourself to go towards central California where they have an incredibly high speckle belly limit? I mean, you're talking, we're talking within two, three hours of your house, there's Mecca waterfowl hunting. Why haven't you pushed yourself outside of your comfort zone while you've been in that area to experience some of that? And then this is not me attacking you. This is me just, I, I truly want to know. All right. So that's a multifaceted question. All right. So number one, I still consider myself new 
to waterfowling. Okay. And that goes along with, you know, some of the other topics that we had written down. Um, I did a third deployment where I was gone. I was deployed to Afghan for a full year. And then as soon as I came back from that, I went to South Carolina to be a drill instructor for three years. So that was time not allotted to waterfowling. So when I got stationed out here in 2020, that was like, now I'm going to learn this trade, right? This, this outdoor adventure. Uh, and really it was from necessity, uh, you know, much like you talked about earlier, how your time in the outdoors reminds you of what your grandfather taught you. Uh, my time in the outdoors here was, is a lot, a lot of the same, right? Like hiking the mountains and going waterfowling. My want and desire to stay and hunt local stems from that insatiable need that I have to succeed where I'm at. Like I want to succeed where I'm at. I want to, uh, and this is something that Andy and I kind of chit chatted about on Facebook um, was just the military lifestyle of by the time I have an understanding of an area and how to hunt it and how to do and how to be successful, I get orders somewhere else. And now that process starts all over again. Right. Uh, I think this year I've reached out to some other gunners um, that are within two or three hours of me that are like, bro, you got to come down here and hunt down towards Vegas. Like Vegas is it like it's Vegas, but it's also got some of the best waterfowl hunting on the West coast. Um, I told Andy earlier this week, I was super bummed that Washington closed Harlequins for the season. Cause I'd planned on trying to go up and harvest a Harlequin to put next to that stud pintail that Tommy helped me with last year. Um, but my big, my big thing is that whole, I mean, and I'm, I guarantee you that Andy heard it and you heard it when you guys were both in the army. Uh, and I hear it now as a, still as a Marine, you got to bloom where you're planted. So my desire to succeed here in the Eastern Sierras at 6,000 feet above sea level, where everything hinges on the weather because if we get good weather up in Canada and Washington and Oregon, it's going to push the birds my way. Uh, but there's a couple of gunners that I've already reached out to this year that it's like, Hey man, if it's, if it's dry up here in October, I'm planning on traveling in November and coming down and seeing you and seeing if we can't put, you know, two and two together to make a successful hunt. I really want to challenge you um, for a couple of reasons. One, because I firmly believe that trial by fire is a, successful not the successful not the only successful but trial by fire is a very formulative way to gain success or gain experience i really want to challenge you while you're in this flyway before you leave and you come back to the east coast next year to really step outside of your comfort zone and and i understand your your desire to bloom where you blossom right but there is so much to see that would literally cost you an arm and a leg to experience once you move back here, that you have a once in a lifetime opportunity to experience where you are. Right. So going South and then going North into Oregon and going North into Washington and pushing yourself in those flyways and experiencing some of the best waterfowl hunting that 
the entire side of that entire side of the country has to offer is something that I would truly challenge you to do. And, and really, I think that it's going to, I think that it's going to round you out as a waterfowl hunter, as opposed to keeping you where you are and I, I and whole, almost holding back your growth, right. And, and you finding success season after season by trying to, trying to grow where, where you were planted at is, is an, to me is a, it's a respectable thing. It truly is. But when you get a four day weekend and you're off from Friday to Monday and you have that a lot of time to really get out and, and it's not an overburden for you to like throw stuff in the truck and roll and, and go link up with one of those gunners, man, do that while you have this opportunity, do that, man. I really want to see, I really want to see you do that just for your, for your own success as a waterfowl hunter. Uh, as a gunner to to network within the community that we've that we have created and that you guys help foster. I mean, that's truthfully what it's all about. I mean, you've got um, you've got folks that are I can think of two or three that are within a very reasonable drive from you um, and that have some awesome, awesome hunts. Um, so and it, I just I just want to see you get the most out of your experience. That's all. Yeah. And, you know, like kind of go and this is just kind of an ode to you justin i mean like you're a smart dude like you like i think that like you know more than your success tells does that make sense like over yeah. there in the in the like in the pacific flower your knowledge outweighs your success so like i personally too want to like see you go out there and just like bomb it out one day two days three days four days actually you know 60 days would be nice but kind of impractical but they get 120 days there that's what i said they get 120 days I'll so. say we get yeah we got a season with no split so yeah must be nice oh i like i'll tell you what though it's it's funny because you know we joke about it on the gunners page all the time right and there's this huge this huge thing where people are like ooh, coots <laughs> tell me bro these people don't know. People sleep on coots, man. They really Bro, do. People be sleeping on coots, man. You throw them things that you throw them things, bones and all in the Instapot, cook them down and make street tacos. This shit's fire. I mean, I'll, I'll give it to you. I, I, um, you know, about, you know, growing and stuff like that, where you come from, I, I'm probably going to slide back more to that this year, just because it's, it's a challenge. Uh, you know, a lot of people here talk about, oh, you know, there's not so many birds and all that. And I'm just kind of wanting to take the challenge this year and, and bang out a little bit, you know, really for only well, one and, month. So. And, and the other thing you the other thing I look at, too, of course, is, you know, and and, and I don't want to be the dark cloud on the conversation, but we got to look at where the economy's at. So this whole bloom where you're planted thing is about to be a real big deal for a lot of people. I mean, out here in California, gas is six dollars a gallon right now. So, you know, that's why the, the re like, you know, we pointed out the networking within the gunner community has been a big thing for me this year, trying to find guys uh, that are close. And, and I didn't, and the other thing is the gunner community has grown exponentially in the last two years. Um, When I first signed on, uh, as a matter of fact, when I first became a gunner, it's because Robert and I had a personal conversation about an order that was jacked up. I was like, hey, dude, I ordered two hats. You only sent me one. Oh, by the way, I sent you a freaking resume for being a gunner. And you were like, love to have you, dog. 
And it's and it was really like, <laughs> like, hey, this is cool. Like, I'm a gunner. But then it's like I started meeting other gunners. I got added to the Facebook page. We started building that friendship. There's gunners that I am friends with that I've never met in life. Yeah. That's why Arkansas was such a huge hit for me personally, because there's guys that were gunners that I had never met in real life that are like fantastic people. Tommy, Joseph, Jeremiah, Warren, Captain Lou, D West. These are all guys that I don't know if I would have met in real life had I not jumped on that opportunity. Um, I'm going to let Steffi know that you forgot him. Yeah. Oh, no. It's, hey, I tell you what. Hey, you know what? hey Steffi, I'll throw you a freaking – I'll Andrew. throw you a song out there, bro. I got my bolt sticker, and I got a bush light sticker on my on my shotgun bolt right now. Yeah, I'm going to just run down the list of the eight people that you forgot. Oh, yeah. Make sure, I mean, hey. make sure they know. It's oh, – it is – it's, it's a lot of bloom where you planted. It's even more so now in exercising that network that, that, I mean, let's call a spade a spade again, that you, Robert Brewer, the owner and founder of Combat Waterfowl, have provided for all of us by building that gunner network to, to what it is now. I know you try, to throw the, you try to throw all of it back on us and say, hey, it's a community that you guys built. But it, it's a community that we are all a part of. It gives a lot of us that work in the public sector that are current and prior military. It gives us an outlet to people that we can connect with that are like-minded and share interests. Combat Waterfowl is the Silk Road. All right. I am the Dread Pirate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, me, Cody, and Ben, we're the dread, we're the dread pirate Roberts. All right. But without without everybody else participating on the Silk Road, it has no success. <laughs> so that, that is why I say what I say. Dude, honestly, it the the platform, the platform was created, right? But without the people that make that platform up, it's not successful. And and truthfully, it's not one person. You know, Andy runs the podcast, you know, Dylan and also runs the Gunners page as far as like helping helping do that out. Dylan has been helping with the Gunners page and, and doing all that stuff um, now is helping with the podcast. Nathan Guy runs the entire Fowler's page pretty much by himself. Um, there's so many people and I'm, I've just named three that, you know, that that are there. But there's so many people that are doing things that, uh, frankly, helps so much and, and really you know out of the goodness of their heart ultimately you know um just because of of what what this thing is you know i people call combat waterfowl a clothing brand and it is a clothing brand but at the end of the day man there's so much more if you open yourself up to what it is that we do there's so much more to this than than a clothing brand that's for sure <clears throat> Well, fellas, we are breaking down on some time here, and uh, I just want to say that Tell me I to shut up, man. Just, just be like, hey, dude, just shut up, bro. I mean, shut up, dude. All right, all right. Hey, yeah, hey, quick before he does that, shout out to Kevin because Kevin said it best when he talks about combat waterfowl. It's a lifestyle. I'm and going. If you live it, you're gonna love it. <laughs> if you love it, you're gonna live it. Andy, uh, what are we talking about next week? 
that's top secret right now. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I guess top you guys secret. can look forward to top secret information then. <laughs> um, no, nah, I'm still developing. I don't want to. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. But we'll see what's up with it. I'm uh well. I'm looking forward to coming back on, Justin. Man, truly an honor and a pleasure. I appreciate you being with us and letting me call you out. Uh, you took it like a champ. Um, Andy, this is a good one, man. Yes, sir. I really uh I enjoyed it. Um, don't forget to uh follow and like us on all social media platforms at drop Combat Waterfell. Yeah, what drop a review too. Quit being lazy. If you like what you hear and you want to keep, you want to hear Andy keep talking and telling me to shut up, then go ahead on. And <laughs> let him know in your comment on your review. <laughs> but I, uh, I enjoyed it, fellas, and uh, we'll get with you next time. Until next time.